Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5. The Bible says, Not that we are fit, qualified, and sufficient in ability of ourselves, to form personal judgment or to claim or account anything as coming from us. Listen to that. You and I cannot claim qualification and sufficiency in ability to boast, to have an account, an account or a personal opinion that whatever is happening in your life is coming from your human ability. That's what Paul is saying. Nobody can say or nobody can boast and say, the reason why this is happening is because of my personal ability. I did this, I did that. Of course, that's a language many people use, some ignorantly, some uh, worse than ignorant, or, you know. But many people use the language of I decided, I chose, I made the choice, I thought about it, and I thought, ah, man, let me do this. No, no. It's not in your ability. It's not in your sufficiency. Now, if you're, go if you're dreaming for a multi-million dollar deal, I have good news for you. It's not in your sufficiency. If you're dreaming to walk the life that you have dream dreamed of God to have, it's not in your sufficiency. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not supposed and it will never be in your ability to do. No. It's in the sufficiency and ability of God. All you do is to lean on his everlasting love and allow him to fulfill that which he promised through your life. I tell you something and as I'm going to go deep into teaching, you're going to realize that many of us have failed to live the life glorious. A glorious life in Christ Jesus. We're living a surviving, but not a glorious life in Christ Jesus. Because many of us have not understood what it means for you to do something not coming from you out of your ability, human. But out of the sufficiency that is an ability or qualification that is of God. Let me give you an example. When the Bible says that I'm standing on this altar... Because I'm qualified by God. Not because of what I did last week. Not because of what I did this week. Not because of what I'm going to do tomorrow. But because of a God who, before I was formed in my mother's womb, counted me worthy of this call. And called me and anointed me and appointed me to this profession. He knew everything that would befall me. There is nothing new to him. Even what will happen next week, he knew that it would befall me. But he still found it worthy. Like Paul says, he still found it worthy to count you and I, to qualify us to be partakers of this grace. Hallelujah, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah, somebody. That is why when Paul is speaking about the reception of the gospel, he didn't take it as a light thing. He knows that it was the, it was the, ability, the grace, the intention of God. To call him, look at him. Paul begins by explaining everything that, that could have disqualified him. Praise the Lord Jesus. Everything that could have disqualified him. 
He persecuted the church of Jesus Christ and wasted it. He, Jesus came to save sinners of whom Paul says, I am chief. Paul was not just a sinner. He was a chief sinner, the Bible says, in Timothy. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. But when it pleased the Lord, Paul says, that God should reveal the son, his son in me. When it pleased the Lord that God should reveal his son in me, his son in me. Paul says, when it pleased the Lord, it wasn't your pleasure. It wasn't your choice. No, he, it pleased God that he would reveal Christ through you. That is why he gave you salvation. It pleased the Father. It wasn't in your qualification. It wasn't in your ability. Do you know what it means to stand on the pulpit? And I know it pleases God. Every time I preach, I see the angels screaming, Apostle! And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm preaching deeper. Why? Because he's pleased with me. I can only respond to that by faith, to simply believe that he's pleased with me. He is pleased with me. And then you're going to have these negative forces of people who have opinions about you, of what they think you want, what they are not, what they say you want, what you're not you want. And then you're going to have to find yourself again debating of I'm not this because they think I'm that and then I'm this because... No, no, no. It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, praise the Lord Jesus, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen immediately. He was separated. Why? Because it pleased God. It pleased God for you to be born again. It, he's happy with it. He didn't regret. He didn't regret you. Oh, but I have a few Yes, even in your funny jazz eh, and movies, God doesn't regret you. He is pleased to reveal Christ through you. Some of you think that our God is a conditional God who responds according to the conditions at play. Uh-uh. Listen. Don't fit God in your little bubble and your time series. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. There is, there is nothing new tomorrow you're going to do that you don't know. But it still pleased him. There is nothing that you did years ago that is going to change the fact that it pleased him. It pleased him. The plan of salvation is not the manifestation of what you see in the physical, of the Christ being crucified at the cross. Uh-uh. The crucifixion of the Christ at the cross is just the physical confirmation of the affirmed experience of the Lamb of God which was slain before the foundations of the world. He, he, it was already in the plan of God that Jesus would come for you and I to save you by shedding his blood at Calvary. So, crucifixion, whatever the devil plans in your life, he's too late. He's too late. God was earlier. Tell your neighbor, God was earlier. Say again and say, God was earlier. And that is the truth. God was earlier. If, if you understood it, you'd shout for, for two seconds or three. That means it's too late for you to die. It's too late for you to be destroyed. It is too late for you to lose because you have won through Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. The challenge is what, that we're dealing with, and, and I pray maybe the Lord gives me the grace to, to define what it means to hear God. What it means to hear God. The Lord has revealed to me three 
kinds of, of voices. Three, one, two, three. Okay, and maybe I might touch them the Thursday to come or the other. The Lord has revealed to me three kinds of voices. The first voice reveals God's eternal purpose and the milestones that are arrayed in your life to fulfill the destiny the Lord has laid on you. That's the first kind of voice of the Spirit. The second kind of the voice of the Spirit are the judgments of God. Praise the Lord Jesus. They are the judgments of God. When you understand the judgments of God, there are many things that you save yourself from and save many of. Because that's the basis of true discernment. The judgments of God. The reconciliation of spiritual experiences and the intellect to reconcile. When you have to reconcile your intellect with what you are receiving in the spirit... That's where the judgments of the spirit come through. Okay? And the third voice is the voice of the message. It is so amazing that many people listen to this gospel, but not many understand it. Not many understand it. The Bible says, desiring to be teachers of the law, not knowing what they say, neither from whence they affirm. They seek to confirm what is not affirmed in the spirit because their source is a false reality of truth. Or perhaps an experience they define as true but is not true. That's called deception. Somebody say amen. And deception too has levels and kinds. The way you deceive a baby is not the way you deceive an adult. The way you deceive somebody who... Who knows you is, is not the way you deceive somebody who does not know you. Praise the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. But many people have been alienated from the voice of the message of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And many of them seem, appear, uh, act like they understand it, but they don't. They don't. And as I continue to share some of these things in these few days or these few weeks... You're going to, you're, some of you, your eyes are going to open to many realities in the spirit. And none of those three voices should any man lose. If you lose the voice of destiny that aligns you to purpose, you lose, you lose the foundation of eternal realities. You start becoming carnal even when you're gifted. Because your eyes see only the things that are of the earth. When you lose the judgments of God, you will error. You will you'll defile your conscience. If you're not defiling it, you'll kill your conscience. Praise the Lord Jesus. If you're not killing it, you'll sear the conscience. And yet one of the qualifications of every true believer is to walk with a conscience void of offense toward God and man. You will offend men without even knowing you have offended them. And you will offend God without even knowing that you have made offense. In the gospel. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, you and I don't carry a sufficiency. We don't carry an ability. God is not working through you because you did something to please him. And there is nothing you're going to do to make him more pleased or less pleased. 
Because the pleasing of the Father is in the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ. The Bible says he is the propitiation of our sins. Not only for us, but for the world too. What is the meaning of propitiation? The fit sacrifice. The fit one. Some of you have become sacrifices for other people. Praise the Lord Jesus. Or you have required of men to become sacrifices of things Christ paid for. But Jesus is the propitiation. He is the fit, the complete, the right sacrifice. You can never take Jesus' place. Some people think that the spirit of Antichrist is just this guy who has horns and he's saying, ah, no. Antichrist is a spirit that opposes the testimony, also the, the, the teaching and the person of Jesus Christ and his earthly mandate. If Jesus came to save sinners, why would you teach a doctrine that tells men that they are not saved? Or that they have lost their salvation? So what did the blood do? That is anti-Christ. And I'm going to go a bit deeper in that. So Paul says, not that we are qualified and sufficient in ability of ourselves to form personal judgment, claim, count, anything count coming from us. But our power, our power, and our ability and sufficiency is from God. And the next verse says, it is he who has qualified us. The Bible says, making us to be fit and worthy and sufficient as ministers and dispensers of a new covenant of salvation through Christ Jesus. Not ministers of the letter of legal written code, but of the spirit. For the code of the law kills, but the Holy Spirit makes a life when the bible says that you have the ability to minister the new testament when they bring a sick person you have the ability to heal them because you have the ability to minister you have the ability to minister it's like i was reading something is it in psalms 18 something somewhere where the bible speaks of the blessing that shall be shall bestow on israel and the bible says that it shall cause men Men to tremble and fear because of the prosperity he shall give Israel. You, now imagine eh, where God just didn't make you prosperous, but he makes you prosperous until people start trembling. They start fearing. They, because of the success in your life. Hallelujah. And this pertains to every part of your life. You are rich, yes. You are the righteousness of God, yes. You're walking a morally upright life, yes. Your character is up straight. Your brains are just up there, you hearing me? Everything that you do and you say is a success. God doesn't just want to bless you until people say, Yamunanga, he's blessed. No. God wants to bless you until men are in awe. I like, Come and receive it if you understand. And me, that's what I chose. I'm not receiving the blessing that men can explain. No. I'm receiving something in my spirit that men cannot explain. So that when it starts happening in my life, they'll either say I'm carrot, carrot, whatever, the cabbage. They can call me anything. Are you hearing me? But when I chose to believe God, I chose to believe him full swingy. <laughs> Anointing. Wisdom. Money. Increase. Multiplication. Mention. <laughs> For I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Through Christ which strengthens me. 
I made up my mind. Again, I repeat it like one time I said, in the Nasalawa, I'm going to be happy. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I don't expect anything bad from God. He shall do me good. He has promised me that he shall do me good. And eh, not on my sufficiency. No, no. But apostle, my heart condemns me. If your heart condemns you. The Bible says, God is bigger than your heart. He's greater than your heart. And he knoweth all things. Uh, and she's just saying, you know, this gospel is too beautiful to be true. That's, now somebody will be like, eh, it's as if you're saying that it's okay for me to do bad. No, I'm not saying that it's okay for you to do bad. I'm only saying, God, when you became born again, you inherited an incorruptible seed. You cannot love sin. You cannot deliberately, habitually practice sin because the seed of God permanently abides in you. But if there should be error in your life, look unto Jesus. His business is to get this nonsense out of you and still walk with you. He has not written you off like some of you have been taught. Praise the Lord. Tell somebody he has not given up on me yet. So the Bible says he has qualified us. He has made us fit. He has made us worthy and sufficient. Just to, as dispensers or ministers of the new covenant. You and I have the I wish some people understand this. Everything written in the New Testament. You are worthy to do. You're qualified to do. You are fit to do. You are able to do everything that you read in the scripture of the New Testament dispensation. Now, you don't go to the sick and then you start saying, ah, nah, come now. Ah, am I qualified? Ah, nah, Let me first go and then qualify myself further. I qualify myself. I qu okay, now I'm going to pray. And then you come with your self-righteousness. Why? Because you've qualified yourself for that moment. And you think the sick man is going to get healed. Or you think God has that myopic understanding of killing a man because you're unrighteous. In your mind. You mean he's, he's like a baby. Why should this man die because of you? Did you get what I just said? If you understand that your feet... And qualified and made worthy by the ability of God. Everything you stretch your hands to prayer. You carry a confidence. You carry an assurance. I'm going to come to that a bit later. Now the Bible says. If the dispensation of death. Engraved in letters on stone. The ministration of the law. Was inaugurated with such glory and splendor. That the Israelites were not able to look steadfastly. Or steadily at the face of Moses because of its brilliance. A glory that was to fade and pass away. Why should not, the Bible says, why should not the dispensation of the spirit. This spiritual ministry whose task is to cause men to obtain. It causes, it, oh wait, this task is to cause, now, it causes men. The Bible says it's to cause men to obtain and to be governed by the Holy Ghost. It is to cause. Causing means it enforces men to be governed by the Holy Ghost. So you, you, don't, you don't try to yield yourself. No. This covenant yields you. 
You have no choice. Now, if you notice, the Bible now gives two things. It gives the ministration of the law and the ministration of the spirit. Do you realize that spirit is interchanged with grace? Law and spirit. I need to show you something in Romans chapter 7, verse 6. But now, 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 not next week, not when you do right or no. Now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we are held, that we should serve in the newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. When the Bible says you have, you, you and I have been delivered from, delivered from the law, and now you live in the newness of spirit. Do you realize that the two opposites are simple? Law, spirit. Law, grace. If you're in grace, you're spirit. You're in the spirit. If you are in the law, you're carnal. Oh, wait a minute. What's wrong with the law? Let me make a statement and qualify it. The law, the law is spiritual. It is not spirit. It's pneumaticos, not pneuma. Romans 7, 14. He says, for we know that the law is pneumaticos. It is spiritual. It is not spirit. It is spiritual. That means it tends to the spirit, but it is not spirit. Spirit, spirit is the gospel of grace. It is the ministration of the spirit. That's why the Bible calls, him the, calls it the spirit of grace. The spirit of grace. The spirit of grace. Somebody say amen. amen. That is why the law in its ability could not save you and I. It couldn't. Even if you tried and say, let me try to be right, you will not you go away. Do you know how many people are hitting shipwreck? Because the more they try, the more they fail. The more they try, the more they fail. The more they try, the more they fail. Why? Because God wants you to stop trying and allow him to work through you. That's what he wants. Such that when the glory, when the results are there, you don't say, ah, no. That's me, man. That's just, it's just, just me. It's how I roll, man. It's how I do my thing, you know. Just... You know, check <laughs> somebody and say the sufficiency is of God. It's of God. It's of God. It's of God. So you realize that every time the opposite of the law, it, is, it goes into spirit. Every time God gives opposite of the law, he goes into spirit. He goes into spirit. He goes into spirit. So let's go back to where we're at. He says in Corinthians, why should not the dispensation of the spirit, this spiritual ministry, whose task is to cause men to obtain and to be governed by the Holy Spirit, be attended, the Bible says, with much greater and more splendid glory. Are you listening to what God is saying? God is saying, because a man has embraced the ministration of the spirit. You understand? This spiritual ministry, which is a spirit ministry. Okay, it's both spiritual but also spirit. He says, You will have and excel in a far more splendor of glory than the man of the law. That means any man who enjoys, who has yielded, who has submitted to the ministration of grace, 
that man will function in a deeper realm of the anointing, of favor, of increase, of multiplication, of breakthrough, anything mentioned, of greater and far way more glory than any man under the law. No man under the law can beat a man under grace. It's not possible. Because it's a covenant issue. Tell somebody it's a covenant issue. Somebody says, one time I, I listened to somebody. <laughs> Woo -wee. I listened to somebody. And this person said, when you preach the truth, they leave your church. When you speak things people don't want to hear, they leave your church. When you speak things they want to hear about what is in it, they feel your church. So this person was on radio misleading a nation. Saying, if you want to build a big church, don't speak the truth. And so the person was qualifying themselves of a ministry that is not growing because they are speaking truth. Woo -wee! For, so, for those of you who have never read the book of Acts 13, let me help you. Paul is standing before the church after the separation of the prophets, teachers, which were in Antioch, where there was much teaching. He embraces the message and the gospel. And he goes in front of the church and he starts teaching them the gospel of grace. And he says, be it known unto you, ladies and gentlemen, that through this man is the forgiveness of sins. Through this man is the forgiveness, is the forgiveness of sins. From which you could not be forgiven or justified through Moses. You see that? Be not unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Next verse. And by him all, listen, all, all that believe are justified from all things. All that believe are justified from all things. All that believe are justified from all things. And he says, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. What teaching is that? The next verse says, Beware therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despise us, and wonder us, and perish. For I work a work in, in your days, a work which you shall in no wise believe. Now he's telling law guys, people in the law don't believe the grace. They don't believe in the work of the Holy Ghost. And he says, Though he says, a man declares it to you. And the next verse says, and when, listen, listen, listen now, the man preaching truth. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogues, the Gentiles, 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 besought that these words, these ones, these ones, these ones. That means they had something. You say, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Are you saying that through this man is the forgiveness of sins? And yet everyone who believes is justified from all that they have done, from which Moses could not justify us of because we only know the way of... Wait, wait, wait a minute. The Gentiles besought Paul not to come back and preach, no, but to come and preach these words, these ones. No, don't bring back the law. Bring back this thing on the altar. We need to hear it. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogues... No, the next verse. And... Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them 
to continue in the law. No, uh, what does it say? They persuaded them. Says that guys, continue in the grace. Leave that law thing. Continue. They persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next verse says, and the next Sabbath day, the Bible says, almost the whole Kampala came to Fanero. city together to hear the words of the Lord. The words of the Lord. And the next verse says, now the other guys also came through. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, <laughs> they were filled with envy and spoke against those things spoken by Apostle Grace, contradicting him and blaspheming him. Jews. Shake somebody and tell them, continue in the grace of God. <laughs> now, what brought the whole city? Truth. Can I tell somebody saying, uh -uh, when you speak truth, he said, if you lift me, me, not yourself, not Moses, if you lift me up, he says, I'll draw all men unto me. That is why I'm worried. We have a, I'm worried because of the speed we are. <laughs> now, now the devil is saying, Kalechi, would it? Devil, Now, Kirisa, I believed. On the Lord Jesus. Do you think you're going to reduce you? Do you think you're going to reduce? I'm not saying wait. Money, what? Anointing. Do you think you're going to? Do you think? Where is our boasting? I am not going to reduce. I am not going to reduce. Uh -uh. The Bible says he teaches us to profit. He teaches us to profit. If you're a business person, speak to it now. If you're a minister, speak to it now. If you're uh, whatever you are, speak to your career now. Speak to it now and say you only go upward and upward only because you have believed on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can only go upward. You can only work. Your marriage will work in the name of Jesus. Everything you believe God for will work. Your body will not fail you. Uh-uh. You will fail it. <laughs> ah, yeah, 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 yeah. No. That is why we believe in the God who is increasing me, mama, me. Now you also, you can also put me. You can also put yourself. I have believed that since I received this thing, my way is upward and upward. And upward, and upward, and upward, and upward, and upward. No otherwise. The, 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 the tongue has power. If you didn't say it, say it. Say, my way is upward. And upward. 
and upward and upward and no otherwise in Jesus mighty name shout hallelujah <laughs> praise the Lord Jesus you're not under the law you're not under the law you've been delivered from it Galatians chapter 5 18 says if ye are led Banange, if ye are led of the spirit ye are not under the law if ye are led of the spirit now I found a guy who was saying you know apostle you have to balance you're preaching grace 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 no you have to balance the grace and the law wait a minute if you are led of the spirit, you are not under the law. And somebody is asking me to balance. That means they want me to be carnal and spiritual. <laughs> Woo -wee. Uh -uh, that's a double-minded man. What does the Bible say? That man should not expect to receive anything from God. Let me tell you, if you have decided to believe the grace, believe it. You've, you've believed the law for so many years and nothing has changed. Kakati, give grace an opportunity. Give grace an opportunity. There is somebody struggling with something eh? and all they need is simply to hear the right message. That's, how many of you have struggled with things and when the message entered, those things left Put up your hands. Sometimes I love people to see witnesses and know that this is not a lie. It's true. There is nothing as beautiful as just remembering and saying, hey, when was the last, last time I ta 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 take a we're sorting it out. And then you look back and say, but there was never, there was a day you never thought that you could live, now you can live without it. And you say, eh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I, there was, I, I have pastored people. And somebody comes in the office and tells you, Musumba, this one I can't do without it. You know, I can't do without this thing. Apostle, <laughs> I can't do without this thing. A pastor, a pastor. He allowed me to testify this. And the day he gains boldness, he told me he will come out and testify before you. Eh? He'll come out and what? Testify before you. But he allowed me to testify his testimony. This guy has been a minister for so many years. He comes. Even maybe he's here. But he allowed me to testify. And one day, when he gets the Rakatembo Zika, he will come and testify. So, this man of God was a believer, loved the Lord Jesus, served the Lord Jesus passionately. And he woke up one day and he took a little sip of alcohol and then supposed to be a basic sip of testing, like you test the microphone. It became a trial that trial became a drive. And this man wakes up one day and he cannot go to sleep. Not without drinking, no, but without getting drunk. 
But he was on the altar preaching the gospel. But he was both a lawgiver and taker. Are you listening to me? He says he struggled for years and years and years until he agrees with his wife. You know what? Let me be taking it at night only after preaching, after what? So he, he says every day there was always bottles of wine in his fridge. He had to get drunk before sleeping. It became an addiction he could never fight. He met me when he was just about to give up in ministry and go in America and live there. He told me I was just going to America, but he had seen me somewhere in a, in a pastor's meeting. I was preaching in a pastor's conference somewhere in New Jersey. He phoned me there. We shook hands. Hi, how are you? I remembered him. He was in Uganda. So we, when he returned back, he comes. We shake hands. We become friends. And he says, I have searched and searched and searched. And he was almost giving up on the gospel to get on a flight and go to the U.S. And either Kweia or Necheyo or probably try to get some guys to, you know, preach to some. But Uganda had failed. We went in the office. I sat down with him and simply started to share the words, these words. In a space of two months, he comes back with his wife. And says the church that was closing has, it has multiplied about five times in a space of two months. The church that was closing. And he said, my wife, come. Tell this man what this gospel did to me. T tell him the whole story. And the wife says, this man used to drink. But apostle, from the time we left this office, this man has not put his lips on a drink. And he interrupted his wife and said, and guess what? The urge is not there. I'm not fighting not to. Uh -uh. Even if I smell it, it doesn't call me anymore. Let us preach the gospel. Tell somebody, let us preach the gospel. What was killing this man was a guilt conscience. Some of you will never walk out of what you're struggling with until you shift from guilt to conviction of truth. Guilt is a stain on your soul. Guilt is a stain of your soul. And there's nothing guilt does. It doesn't deliver you. Neither does it change you. You understand? Some people think every sorrow is godly. But the Bible says that there is, there is sorrow that is not godly. And that is why it does not lead to true repentance. That is why even in your sorrow, you fail to come out. Because you are focusing on yourself. You're putting guilt on you. And the more guilty you become, the more selfish and more faith you put in your ability to do. Because every time you say, God, I shouldn't have done this. That means... You, you think that you have the ability not to. Many of you look so much to yourselves that you shift your eyes totally off Christ. 
The Bible didn't say that when you fall under temptation or trials, or if you're overtaken with a temptation, you should go back and look back into your ability in the flesh to see how you could have done it better. Study yourself like an encyclopedia. Define yourself beyond all semantics and language. You're never going to walk out of this thing. Because every time you fall, and then out of sorrow, you look within the flesh, and in your human ability, you're saying, I don't need you, Jesus. I can fix this. I got it wrong, but I'm going to get it right. Eh? Now it's you. Praise the Lord. But every time this happens, and you look unto Jesus, which is the author and the finisher of your faith, every time you're overtaken by trial and temptation, and then you, you remember how the song says when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. What does he do? Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Who made an end to all my sin? One with himself I can. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ my Savior look upward because the sinless Savior died your sinful soul the Bible the song says is counted free for God the, the, the it says for God the justice satisfied to look on who? Jesus. And pardon you. He looks at Jesus. And says no. Some people don't understand. That the pardon of a sinner. Is more painful to the devil. Than anybody else. Why? Because the devil is like. Aha, I got him. I got him. And while the devil says. Now I got him. And God says. Uh -uh. <laughs> Some woman sang. Mercy said. Praise the Lord Jesus. Every time the devil thinks he has you, God says, uh, 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 hands off their believers. I'll keep them. I'll wash them. Consecrate them. Deal with them. Heal them. Restore them. And they'll finish with me. And the devil eats sugar and dies. <laughs> Guilt puts your eyes on you. Conviction of truth puts your eyes on Christ. When a man has mastered this truth, every weakness in your life points you to Jesus. And you see what he has done and who he is. And as you look, we'll come on that later. Praise the Lord. As you look, we'll come on that later. Now, he's, the, no, let's go back to the ministration. The ministration, yes. Next verse. And the Bible says, for if the service that condemns, that the, the service that condemns, 
that ministration of doom had glory, how infinitely more abounding in splendor and glory must be the service that makes righteous the ministry, and I love the way he says it, that produces and fosters righteous living and right standing with God. When you believe in this ministry of grace, it starts to produce and to foster righteous living and right standing with God. You know, it's no man who embraces grace can continue in sin. Somehow, it starts to produce in you and foster in you right living and right standing with God. And the next verse says, Indeed, in view of this fact, what was had splendor, the glory of the law in the face of Moses, has come to have no splendor at all because of the overwhelming glory that exceeds and excels it. And the Bible says the glory of what? The gospel in the face of Jesus. That gospel exceeds and excels Moses. That means anybody under Moses, I will exceed and excel over. That's, that's a proven fact. It's only something you'll, you're going to deny. Anybody under Moses, you will exceed and excel over. That's why people under the law, they are poor. People under the law, they are struggling. People under the law, they are sick. People under the law, they... Sometimes, if you want to know just how much you are under the law, look at the things you're fighting. Sometimes if you want to know how much you're under. This, he called it the ministry of doom. Not the thing you spread. <laughs> Come to think of it, why did they call it doom? Like most cockroaches, doom. <laughs> so, the service that you... <laughs> Indeed, the letter kills. The letter kills. Praise the Lord Jesus. That it's called them, it spells doom. That means if you're under, you're going to attract doom. But you'll have a glory in doom. There's a glory in that doom. There's a glory in that suffering. They're called short fixes. You, you can eat for a day. You understand? You, you can win battles and lose wars. You, 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 you can win the court wrangle, the land wrangle you've had in the family for 20 years and, and then not occupy the earth. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you, you can win off some money and pay off the debt instead of lending nations. So, what's again, right? You, you have your glory also. Yes, I'm successful. I'm not the wife. You understand what I'm saying? My God, my God pays debt. No, their God pays debt. Mine gives debt. <laughs> no, that's the life I've chosen. I'm sorry if, if you're offended. But that's, that's, I, I realized there was a choice. And I chose this life. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. Now, Next verse. If that which was but passing and fading away came with splendor, how much more must that which remains and permanent and is permanent abide in glory and splendor? That means this one was is a permanent and it abides. 
way stronger. You remember why Moses used to cover his face in Exodus 34? It was because he lived in the dispensation of the law. And the law, this law, used to have a glory that would go up and diminish. That is why people under the law and that dispensation of ministry. These are people who are like this. Today they are rich, tomorrow they are poor. Tomorrow their marriages are working, tomorrow they are not working. Tomorrow their businesses are okay, tomorrow they are down. Tomorrow their ministries are up. They are up and like this. Because there is however much the skin of the face shines, it diminishes. The glory diminishes. And what happens? Many of them, what they've done, they've created veils. Not for men to see the diminishing glory. What is veils in this instance? Figure of speech. It is the things that certain people have learned to do to give excuse of the glory of God diminishing on their lives. Some even qualify it by scripture, by twisting it to make it say what it's not saying. Oh, then somebody gets a financial issue. You know the Bible says there are downy moments and up moments. And, and sometimes when you go back to the context, it's not what they're referring to. Because if you are really going down as the Bible is teaching, then the opposite line of you coming up still has to produce results. How come some of us stay down and never come back again? And some people die like that and they're still claiming. Press down, but not... This, this is a word of a man who is in the ministry. Not somebody who is coming in the gospel like they have come to a shrine. <laughs> These are testations of ministry. He's not just talking about your troubles at home of losing appetite and, and simanyavichi. No. This is Paul speaking about ministry. Somebody say amen. Take it a bit more serious than some of you assume it is. Anyway. It could work according to the context you like it to. But you see, if it should work, if you should go down, okay, then there has to be an equal measure of God not only restoring you, but at least showing a sign of multiplication in your life to show that this was for good. But some people, when they go down, it's gone. It's never going to come back again. That's the end of it. Uh-uh. It's not supposed to be a story. Even the righteous man, when he falls, the Bible says seven times he rises up. You don't stay down. You understand what I'm saying? But for me, I'd rather do like this. Now, there are two kinds. Eh? There's somebody who's like this, right? Hmm? Then they go down, then they come up. Same level, then they go down, plateau, down. No. For us, if we are to fall, we fall like this. <laughs> Even in our fall, we are going up. Oh, but you got it now. <laughs> Did you get it? It's not. No, no. It's. <laughs> That's what I've believed. That is what I have believed. Somebody say amen. Again, it takes us back to our heart. The guilt and what, and then the condemnation is gone, and then the freedom in your spirit. He says, since we have such a glorious hope. Glorious hope. He says, such joyful and confident expectation. He says, we speak very freely 
and openly and fearlessly. When I say I'm increasing, I don't, I'm not apologetic. Because I know who has made it possible. Who has qualified me, made me worthy and made me fit to be a success. I speak in boldness. When you tell somebody next year I'm going to do this, you speak it boldly. When you say I'm coming out of this, you're, you're coming out of it. You're coming out of it. And you have that confident expectation. You, you know that, you know that, you know. Sometimes you can speak words and people might not understand. And, and when a man has understood this thing, it, your, your confidence can shock. Let me preach to the, to the speakers. Where you're going through too much, but you're smiling. The people looking at you are crying. But you're telling them, ah, I'm fearless. I know who qualified me for this deal. I know who qualified me for this job. I know who made me fit for this marriage. I know who qualified me for this ministry. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know that I know that I know that I know that this shall pass to you. smile through storms. And enjoy the trials. Because you know the end of it. You don't sullen and slang. And, you know, no, no, no. Your head is always up high. Knowing very well I'll come through this. I'll come out of this. I, I don't care how crazy it looks like. No. Why? I, what qualifies me is beyond my ability and work. Uh-uh. My expectation, the Bible says, is from him. When the Bible says it's from him. In fact, the literal word there, from him, means he's the one who causes you to expect. So, when you find me expected, understand me, I'm not the one who put it in myself. No, 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 no. No. He's the one who entered my heart and put expectation. I still believe. You might not be in the most perfect place. Eh? But have the boldness and freedom to look at somebody like a man and a woman who has believed this God. And tell him this is temporal. My financial issues, they are temporal. My marital issues, they are. Oh sorry, we had a, 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 a calm down darling. I am qualified to minister in this thing. I know my end. I am a technical in this thing. I... I know who I've believed. This, this, it's not big. Oh, but how? No, 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 no. I'll come out of it. I'll come out of it. And what do you do? You start planning. You start planning. When it, there's a guy, I wish he can come and testify. This guy listened to one of these sermons I preached these Thursdays. And I was teaching about the mystery of faith. That when a man has, has made his mind up to believe, even when you have nothing and no representation of, 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 of clues that take you where you're going, because you're a man of expectation, you start drawing plans as one who is entering your expectation. So this guy listens to a sermon I was preaching on faith. He sent me the email recently. And he said, after listening to that sermon, one of his Thursdays, he, I think he replayed, was replaying the sermon. And somehow something hits him. And in there, the guy said, I want to build. But he had nothing. Nothing in his pocket. 
No, you didn't have much. He looked, he called an architect. I need to meet an architect. He called an architect, told him the house he wants, how he wants it, in the land he wants it. The guy started planning immediately. The guy told me the next day, after meeting the architect, to tell him what he wants. The next day, somebody gave him a plot of land of the exact plan he has. To Veko now. To Veko! Sitani to Veko! Somebody gave him land of the exact plan, the exact measurement he believed. Without a coin. Why? That's the power of expectation. You go back home, are you hearing me? And get a pen and a paper. And start writing. Landlord akonkona ba 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 kwengo tani kokuwa ni kavisioni yenyumba jogeno kusulamu obani kwembuli renjiri Your landlord is knocking you're planning on the house you're entering you're going to build They fire you from the job you create your company You start registration right away I can do all things through Christ. We enter it freely. Freely. Without fear. Without worrying whether it will work or not. He says we speak with plainness of speech. We speak freely and openly and fearlessly. Because we have a joyful and confident. Joyful. Joyful and confident. Joyful and confident. You're not only confident but you're joyful. And someone said, what's that's the reason? Why are you smiling? <laughs> there. Put a random joy in your spirit. Right now, I can give you five seconds of my preaching time. Put a random joy in your spirit and speak something crazy on your life. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. It is changing. All things are working for my good. They're working for my good. They're working for my good. We don't act like Moses. We don't put a veil over our faces. Why? Because we don't expect it to diminish. We don't preach excuses here. Me, I don't give excuse. Oh, you know, I would have been a success, but that man is speaking against me. Let the guy speak. Mbusimanye man's words are going to slow you. That is putting a veil on you. I would have worked, but that guy came in my business. Oh, I would have been preaching, but these men are fighting me. They're interrupting my ministry. No, -uh, listen. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Don't veil yourself. Don't give excuse. Uh -uh. Put joy and confident expectation. And speak fearlessly in the situation you're going in. I don't know whether you learned a lesson right there. Don't give excuses. I would have paid rent, but you know, uh, the problem is my money needs to come through. Uh, you know, give me a few. No, no. Smile and say, don't worry. I got this. I got this. It's going to pass. It's all right. Come tomorrow. Fearlessly. Uh -uh. What time do you want to come? Eight, you don't even have money in your pocket. 8 a.m. It's okay. You can even come 7.
Then you close your door and start to say, Rakota, Zereman, the host. <laughs> that is called spiritual warfare. Then <laughs> some people, the moment they lock the door, God, you had me. You had me. You had me. Then you start giving excuses. I spoke because you are the one who told me to speak. It was the woman you gave me, Adam. No. No. Own your words. Tell somebody, own your words. The Bible says everything that should be known of him, of the invisible things, even the Godhead. The Bible says has been revealed unto them for God has showed it unto them. And now men are without excuse. Romans 1.20 I don't have an excuse to be a success. They tell you because my success is not based on my performance. <laughs> Let's finish. Thirteen. Let's finish. Give me the message of that. A message. Thirteen. Unlike Moses, we have nothing to hide. Everything is out in the open with us. He wore a veil so the children of Israel wouldn't notice the glory that was fading away. They didn't notice it then, and they don't notice it now. They don't notice that there is nothing left behind that veil. Even today, when the proclamation of that old bankrupt government are read out, these Israelites, Jews, unbelievers, legal people cannot see through it. Only Christ can get rid of the veil so they can see for themselves that there is nothing there. And the next verse says, whenever though they turn to face God, as Moses did, the Bible says, these ones who have believed, the ones who have believed, the Bible says, God removes the veil and they're face to face with him. Do you know what it means to be face to face with God? You're not talking to him through visions and dreams. Face to face like Moses. But this time with a glory that does not diminish. And the next verse says, they suddenly recognize, suddenly they recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. God is moving. Do you know why God wrote the, the law on stone? Because the hearts of men were harder than stone. That is why when we receive the heart which is of the flesh, he wrote the law on our hearts. If our hearts could be chiseled into before salvation, he would have chiseled the law on our hearts. He would have written the law on our hearts. But our hearts before salvation were harder than stone. He had to write on stone to tell us our hearts were harder. And we shifted from stone to this. You understand what I'm saying? Now, whenever they turn to face God as Moses did, the Bible says God removes the veil and they are face to face. And the Bible says they suddenly recognize a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We are free from it. When you get into that presence, you realize you're free from that thing. It no longer holds you. And the next verse says, all of us, nothing between us and God, our faces start shining 
with the brightness of his face. So we are transfigured, much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. That is the gospel. Raise your hands in the heavens. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest trial and storm. What heights of love! What depths of peace when fears are stilled, when striving ceases, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Speak in other tongues. Speak in your language, whichever language you understand. In Christ alone, who to conflict, fullness of God in helpless bear, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save.
devil is a liar. I bless you in the name of Jesus. This week shall be a success for you. You'll sow the wings of the spirit. Favor opens up for you. Doors that you could have not imagined in the name of Jesus. You walk out of struggle. You walk out of addiction. You walk out of sin. Your marriage is getting restored this very week. Your job comes through this very week. Your contract comes through this very week. Quickening comes through this very week. You're increasing in splendor and glory and your life shines brighter and beautiful every other day. I declare and I declare that the wicked one is far from you. The words of those that hate you shall not have consequence on your life. They'll only take you upward and upward. I decree that you are stronger than yesterday and you're going to be stronger this coming week. This week opens up with joy. This week opens up with triumph. There is victory on every side. And there is nothing bad going to happen to you. You're free from accidents. You're free from pestilences. You're free from failure. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we have believed. Come on, somebody clap your hands to Jesus. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.